0: We're finishing out a month talking about relationships, both friendship kinds of relationship, marriages, uh, partnerships at work, uh, really all kinds of relationships. And we started off, first of all, by dispelling some of the myths, if you will, about relationships earlier in the, in the month. We talked about dismissing the idea that relationships have to follow certain patterns or look certain ways. We we dispelled the idea that we're we're meant to be with some soulmate that completes us, as though we're not uh, fully complete ourselves. We dispelled some of those ideas and myths that perhaps we've been on, hung up on in the past and caused us some pain. Uh, then we launched into a few weeks talking about relationships where we really understand values, understanding. Uh, whether our friends and uh, and partners uh, enjoy the same things we do, understand the things that we do, value and have ideals that are similar or in alignment with one another, and how we can actually get better at understanding our own motivations as well as interacting with people in a way that, that highlights what we have in common, uh, leading us to longer lasting and more promising relationships. Well today, I want to do a couple little things that might on the surface sound a little bit downbeat. One of them is to talk about some of the things that get in the way of our success. And then the other one finally is to talk about relationships that have an ending to them. Uh, Very often in this life, our relationships will change to the point or need to change to the point where they're simply not workable anymore. And I want to talk briefly about that. But I think a good place to launch out would be, of course, a joke. A couple was at a party chatting with some friends around the subject of marriage counseling. Oh, we'll never need that. My husband and I have a great relationship. He was a communications major in college, and I majored in theater arts. He communicates really well, and I can always act like I'm listening. And I, uh, yeah, so you see we're, we're leading right into... Uh, What can actually stand in the way of a relationship? In fact, some people might almost call some ways of our thinking and beliefs almost relationship killers, and I want to go over those lest we find ourselves in some of those patterns. So one of the relationship real problem areas is comparisons. Now, all of us go through difficult times or at least challenging times in relationships because we're always changing. And so oftentimes we find ourselves in that place where we either are comparing our relationship to what it was when it first started out we're comparing our relationship maybe to an idealized relationship that we've seen in our families or in other friendships. Or even worse yet, we may fall into that trap of comparing our relationships to something we've seen on TV or in a movie or or something that Madison Avenue is pitching us in a magazine, those idealized, almost fantasy-like relationships. Well, The bad news here is almost any comparison outside of what you have, the implication is what we have isn't enough, isn't appropriate. We may not even have the tools and the the gumption to have a healthy relationship. And so, so when our mind starts getting into that comparison phase, we're actually avoiding what we can do to move forward in a more positive way. So so the issue when we're comparing is, what I have is not good enough. I only wish it was like this. I wish it, in fact, I've heard, have you ever heard someone say something like, uh, she's not the woman I married, or he's not the friend that I thought he was have you have you heard people say that so that's the comparison thing i'm imagining what our marriage was like or i'm imagining what a relationship was like you know 20 years ago a we're not the same people and b we have the capability of having something even more powerful than what we had 20 years ago but we need to get our heads out of this uh this uh well, they say things get better with age, the things don't our mind does right. We can forget all of the things that were negative over a course of many years and suddenly a relationship that might have even been tumultuous 20 years ago. We remember all the good sweet little details. We remember how fresh we were and how in love we were and pleasantly forget some of those big blowout fights, right? These are the dangers when we begin to have comparisons in our lives. So when you find yourself comparing boy, I wish our relationship was like my Aunt Susan's. Wow, I wish our friendship was the way it was when we first met. I wish the relationship I have with my co-workers was was different. When we do that, we're taking ourselves out of the ability to make things right in that moment. And so the suggestion from uh, the book we're using this month, The Heart of Love, is once again to back into those values that we have. Often they're the very values that maybe drew us together in the beginning, not in the physical form, but rather what was important to us. What values, what ideals do we have? So to the best of our intention, we put aside these, uh, these comparisons, especially to idealized relationships, and instead we see what we have to work with. What are my ideals? What are your ideals? How do they complement each other? What activities, what, uh, what ways of being together can we highlight and promote that will actually build our relationship up rather than using comparisons To tear it down. Make sense? The other thing that can be a relationship killer is simply a rich fantasy life. So let me explain (laughs) it because I do want to, first of all, say creativity is a wonderful thing, but fantasizing in a relationship can really get it in its way. And by fantasizing, imagining that things were different than they are So, again, let me give you maybe some examples. Have you heard people say something like, well, our relationship is a little rocky now, but once the kids are off into college, I can really see a time when we'll have uh, the ability for us to really solidify this relationship. Or you might hear people say things like, uh, well, it's because of his or her job. It's really taking too much time away from the relationship as it is. But I know, I imagine <laughs> that once the job changes or once the person changes or what, well, you know, name your fantasy, when li- you know, when the certain alignment of planets <laughs> come into bear, then we'll be happy, you know. In a way it's back to that idea that relationships are supposed to somehow bring us happiness when we know that relationships just bring a highlighted version of what we're already experiencing in our lives. So when we fantasize about how things could be, what we're tacitly saying to our friends and our partners is that you're not good enough right now. And you can't hide that. I mean, I know probably none of us would actually say that, but when we live in an if-only world, Every implication is that the relationship as it is right now is not good enough. And, and by extension, you, the other person, your friend or your family member or so forth, are not up to snuff because I want a fantasy. I want something better than this. You see the real problem here? We're really having our authentic selves examined and found lacking. Lacking. This is a big problem. So once again, we have to be in a relationship with our authentic self, and we have to be fully accepting and interested in, and willing to communicate (laughs) with, being fully engaged, with the other person's authentic self, not who we would wish they would be, not how we can dream they would be, not a fantasy of our life together, if only we had more money, or if only she didn't have to work, or, you know, name the, the, the fantasy parameters here. We have to approach one another from a set of common values, or at least complementary values, and build a life with what we have right now. Not a life that would be better if he or she wasn't an alcoholic. Not a life that would be a, a dreamboat if only we were both retired or didn't have any need for money. But literally, life together as it is right now. How do we make that Something unusual and special and wonderful and loving and exciting and sexy and right? Here's where we can use our imagination to put the gumption words back in, but it needs to be about the people realistically and authentically as they are. And so we begin disconnecting from an out-there fantasy and bringing the elements that we would choose to experience into the relationship we have now. We begin thinking with our friends, well, what could we do to actually highlight the things we like each, about each other authentically? Not wishing that we're different, but what could we do and what could we think about how we are right now that's exciting and interesting and so on. It's about a true means and method of finding excitement, interest, joy, all of the good stuff in what and who we have right now. So guess what the third relationship killer is? I will illustrate it. I know it only too well because I grew up with it. Did, did any of you have any of that when you were growing up or in a relationship? In fact, my mom, my mom summarized it one time. She said, if you can't say anything good, all right, we all had the same mom. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you know why this is the relationship killer? It's because it feeds in to the self-esteem that so many of us are lacking, and this is the symbol for you're not even worth talking to. And so even though you haven't said anything, even though you haven't said anything negative or untoward, the message is you are not even worth talking to. And so not only the Martini book, but uh, almost all relationship books will tell you it's actually better to have a a little bit of a fight or a blowout, assuming you talk your way through it, assuming there's a willingness to participate in talking about the issues and talking about your upset uh, feelings, and and it's fine to say how, you know, bizarrely mad you are, and, and all of that is... Great, I mean, we're not condoning violence here, I mean, don't get me wrong, this isn't a place for, for any kind of abuse, but, but it's actually good to say that you're angry or sad or work through the feelings, but the issue here is, right, you're implying you and this relationship are worth that effort. Now, there may be times when we need a time out. Fair enough. I totally get that. If you needed to, let's say that something has happened in the relationship, something maybe significant that has you completely wigged, freaked out, like madder than all heck, sadder than all heck, whatever it is, you may need some time by yourself. But that's different than the silent act. What I'm talking about is, I can't talk about this right now. I am so upset. I might say something or do something that I would regret. Let us work through this absolutely, but let us do it in the morning or 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 let's arrange a luncheon time when we can be together or or whatever it is. So you let the other person know that you're you're just too angry, too upset whatever right now. But I'm not dismissing you. It's the dismissal that's dangerous. It's saying you're not worth talking to. So instead, I'm on purpose going to say, I do want to talk to you. I do want to work this out. I just need a day or a few days uh, to really puzzle through this and figure out, again, what are my values here? What do I find valuable in this relationship? What do I want to do and what do I want to say that will add value here, not just be a blow-up? So does that make sense? So, so let us get rid of those, uh, those thoughts maybe that came with our childhood around somehow being silent or standoffish can come to good. It's actually one of the most destructive things in a friendship or a relationship is the silent treatment. Better to talk it out, better to be uncomfortable even with it than to uh, ignore, to uh, just be silent, uh, to dismiss. All of those are actually way more negative in a relationship. So what about relationships where you really have done what you think you can do but you're really feeling the end of it? relationships often have, if not ends to them, significant transformations to them. Let me read from the Heart of Love, uh, Demartini's take on this. He says, everyone has a different set of baggage, and a couple's unique combination will create its own dynamic. Each of us can decide whether we want to continue in that situation or not. No one has to be in a partnership forever. You can say, okay, I've learned my lessons from this, and I'd rather acquire a different wisdom now. This isn't where I want to stay. You have the right to move on. If a particular connection isn't what you'd like to have in your life, and your friend isn't interested in getting past his or her own stuff, of course you can decide to go. And then he throws this in like a monkey wrench at the end you're more than welcome to deal with a new set of baggage as you grow in a different direction. And so and so. there's the caveat. What, what is the same no matter what relationship you get into? Yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing I just wanna point out. When you feel a relationship ending, Is it ending because there isn't that mutual set of values anymore? I mean, that's actually a really good reason to end a relationship. If you have grown, both grown in positive ways, but simply do not feel uh, that the common set of values and goals and things like that are maybe not what you'd like to have them be uh, in a partnership anymore, that's probably actually a great uh, reason uh, to move on or change the relationship at least into something that's more beneficial. But if you're leaving a relationship out of anger and things are feeling unresolved, I have news for you. A lot of that anger and the unresolved feelings will just come right along with you. You may be faced with the same sets of personal challenges and and the need for personal growth that you had in the last relationship. In fact, have you noticed that people tend to draw the same kinds of people to them sometimes over and over again. It's because of that unfinished or needful resolution in ourselves, not in them. It's almost like, well, Martini says, we're not in this to make us happy. We're in this to have a better understanding of who and what we are authentically. So I'm going to draw to me people that will help me on that spiritual journey. And, and if I bail out before I get to process my own stuff, the bad news is I may simply and somewhat naturally be attracted to someone else. Now, it doesn't have to be, of a, a course, a, a long-term partner or a marriage. It may be friends that are now drawn to me that are going to bring out some of those issues that need healing to me. I'm here to say that the healing is worth it that the difficulties that we experience, assuming again that we have a willingness on our part to not be dismissive, the willingness to move through differences and difficult times, that we are always worth it, that our friends and our partners and our loved ones are always, always worth it. But, of course... I know that things do have an ending. Sometimes they're a literal ending. Sometimes our, our friends make their transition into whatever world comes next after this one, right? Sometimes we end a relationship not because we want to, but it simply has an end to it, either a, a natural one, such as a death, or, or when uh, people move away, people have life changes that, that take them out of our easy access um, through no fault of ours. How do we deal with that? First of all, I want to stress that almost all situations like this represent a loss. And so even if your friend is someone who's well and alive and living across town, and for whatever reason you just don't see them much anymore, that can absolutely tug at our heartstrings. That absolutely does represent a loss. And so my invitation for any kind of a loss, of course, is to know that grieving is unique, that grieving can take some time, and that there are people that can actually help you through the grieving process, including our own licensed practitioners. So don't think that you just have to, I don't know, what's the, uh, like uh, muscle your way through um, the loss of someone who is dear to you or a relationship that's important. Sometimes people also come up to me and say, well, why am I missing this so much? It was horrible. (laughs) Right? Right? It still, it still represents a void in your life. And even if it was an uncomfortable void, even if that relationship had some pain associated with it, suddenly there's a big change in who? In you, right? And so of course it's going to represent a loss even if the it was uncomfortable, even if the relationship had its negative aspects. Even, Even as you're saying, oh my gosh, I'm finally free, a part of you might be saying, Oh, holy heck, what do I do with this freedom? Who am I now? Am I even the same person? One of the things that Demartini um, uh, recommends during this process is asking four questions, and I want to go through them a little bit quickly today, um, but you'll see what they are, is allowing you to examine your feelings and the basis behind your feelings. So let me read these questions, and he recommends that you might meditate on them. He recommends that you might do some journaling around them. When you're feeling that loss, when you're feeling that sense of things aren't just quite right after either a breakup or uh, or when a friend or a loved one passes, he says, first of all, ask yourself, what exactly do you feel you've lost? And so the idea here is, the best you can, identify what really feels missing. Is it their physical touch? Is it um, you know, how they looked? Is it the way that you used to participate in certain things together? If you can, literally highlight a variety of the things that you miss the most, that you really feel that you've lost. The reason we do this, of course, is to literally bring out those feelings of loss, and that's okay, it helps us process them, but it also, I think, helps us to understand that we are separate from things, that we are whole, even as we acknowledge there are things we enjoyed in other people. The second question, what is the new form displayed in your life right now? This is to acknowledge that you are now different. You are a different person, not having this friendship, not having this relationship, not having this marriage. Who are you? The invitation is, who am I now that I'm not so-and-so's best friend? Who am I now that I'm not uh, a married woman? Who am I? Now that my you know my long-term friendship has turned into just acquaintanceship, you know, how am I different? The third question is what's the drawback of the old form? Now, this is a place, especially if it's some kind of a breakup, where you can, in a way, reassure yourself that the old form did have its drawbacks. We did fight a lot. We did have uh, inconsistency in how we did things. We we managed our finances very poorly together. You know, this work partner, uh, I ended up doing way more of the work than he did, right? So look at the drawbacks of the old form. And then then, to the degree that you can, again, what are the benefits of the new form? How am I better moving forward. Now some of you might say, well, are you kidding me? My best friend died and what are the benefits of moving forward? It sounds strange on the surface, doesn't it? And yet, if we think even just the space and time represent a potential for a new friendship, for a new love, I'm not saying that we shouldn't miss. I'm not saying that we don't have to go through that grieving process. But I want us to think that an ending of a relationship doesn't imply an ending to me. Right? And often that's what we're feeling. We're feeling that the end of the relationship feels like an ending To me, I'm here to assure you that the same light, the same love, the same opportunity for joy, for peace, for happiness, for all of it still exists for you. God would have that for you. I would have that for you. Your friends and family want that for you. So, to the degree that you can, even through this time of loss, see how the new you, the you that does not have this relationship anymore, might begin being improved might begin seeing love and light once more does that make sense so i'm going to close today with just the briefest of uh, uh, of summaries uh, throughout this month first of all i hope we've dispelled some of the really binding ideas of what relationships are supposed to be like Other people do not complete us. Other people do not make us happy. Other people are not uh, dependent upon us, nor are we dependent upon other people. Each one of us comes into this world whole and perfect, and we stay that way our whole lives. Other people are here to allow us to see ourselves more clearly not to make us happy. I wish it were true. I wish I could just say, oh well, just having someone around makes me happy. It does sometimes, and sometimes quite the opposite, right? People are here simply to highlight who we are, to allow us to see our authentic selves to move forward. And then I would encourage everyone to learn what your values are. You know, we passed out a survey. There's also an online survey that's wonderful on, uh, on Dr. Uh, John Demartini's website. Uh, you can uh, go there and, and do an online survey. It will highlight for you what's important to you. And it gives you some hints, of course, as we talked about earlier in the month, of how you can let other people know what your values are so that you begin both attracting to you and in your existing relationships building them up based on the things that you have in common, based on the things that are complementary, based on ideas and ways of being that you both recognize are positive. And so, so simply then the relationship, almost by definition, it becomes more positive. It becomes more uplifted. And then today we just simply talked about the focus of the relationship is all important. If we focus on the differences, if we focus on wishing it's a fantasy, if we focus on uh, uh, dreaming of what things should be or could be or would be, it tends to pull us apart. And likewise, when we focus on those things that are value-based, when we focus on being content in our own skins and approaching other people perfect and whole as they are, that will naturally draw us together. And then finally, it's okay to feel the loss. Even the changes that we experience in a relationship can signify a loss. Think about this for a moment. Uh, You may have had a best friend or a partner or a family member that you've been close to for years and years and years. And I bet there have been a number of times in that relationship where it has felt less than and more than, and by that I mean because changes happen, somehow we got to see them for less amount of time. Maybe uh, they were anxious about a job. No matter how you look at it as we go through our lives, the relationships will have an ebb and flow to them. But we have the opportunity of changing that by purposefully being in good communication, by purposefully uh, evaluating what we have in common and where we want to move forward. We can make all the difference. I'm going to close with a, a final quote from the Martini book and, of course, a prayer. He says, certain so-called tragedies stand out as a bigger and badder, don't they? These tend to challenge our ideas about loss, gain, transformation. And yet, when we study them, they can actually bolster our confidence in the integrity and the unending wholeness of ourselves and our perception of the world. In time, we can come back to the realization that apparent endings, such as death, divorce, or relationship changes, don't mean that we're relinquishing anything. They're simply a form of transformation. And just as nothing is uniquely gained from someone else, nothing is lost either. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy. There is but this one thing. I call it love today. And what I know about love is that it, it does endure, it is that most powerful force on the planet. And as I allow love to flow through me and act on behalf of myself, I know that my relationships are blessed. I begin seeing people through the lens of shared values. I begin seeing people through that that lens of uh, what we have in common and not what's different about us. I begin seeing that the person before me with all of their flaws are a great mirror for me standing before them with all of my flaws. And together together we can be complementary, not, not making up for deficits, but, but rather using the strengths that we have to build a relationship filled with love and light and joy. I know relationships are not forever, I know that they change, I know and expect that there's participation that needs to be done, that my life moves forward uh, by changing itself. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person within the hearing of my voice that each of us has that ability to have relationships that endure, that are filled with love, and that with our participation, with our ability to see beyond some of the the fables and the, the trouble with relationships, that truly love always is present. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I simply release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. I'm so glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.